Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. Hi, Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yep. And this week we are doing another book report episode. Woo-hoo! So we do like to state at the top of these episodes that we do do our research. Yes. I looked at three or four different websites for my Same-sies. Black Forgotten Feminist this week. But that being said... Looking at several different websites gives you a lot of gives you a lot of different information, and you kind of just have to take, you know, use your better judgment on a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, and for me especially, as I'll state, there's there's not a whole lot of records on this person. Yeah, so, so it's, it's it gets hard. tricky, and I think yeah. I think both of the people that we're doing are much older. Sometimes we do a lot of, like, modern feminists. These, I think, I don't know who you're doing, but from our discussions, I think both of ours are pretty old. And when you get back that far, I think there's a lot of, like, lore mixed up in it. Yeah, there's also reasons why there's a lot of information missing on this person. And I'm so excited to get into it. Can I go? Yes. Okay. I'm going to talk about Mary Bowser. Mary Bowser. The name sounds familiar, but I don't know anything. So fill me in. I didn't know anything about her either. So just like at the top, I'm going to say she was a spy for the Union. For the Confederacy. A la Harriet. Oh, wait. No. She was was (laughs) spying on the Confederacy for the Union. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harriet Tubman was also a spy during the Civil War. Exactly. So, but this is really interesting. And it also has to do with um, a white abolitionist that was a former um, daughter of, of the slave owner that owned her, this whole thing. So their whole, like, relationship is really interesting as well. Okay. So going to start us off. She was born Mary Richards near Richmond, Virginia, around either 1839 through 1841. Very murky. Okay. She was enslaved by John Van Lu and their extended family. Ah, uh, Virginia. Ah, uh, Virginia. If you listened to our mini-episode this week, you know we're having a very problematic relationship think, with Virginia right now. I just think Hamilton. I mean... <laughs> okay, but... But, so, the first record of Mary is her baptism as Mary Jane... At the St. John Church in Richmond on May 17th, 1846. She was baptized in their family church, which was rare, which was a white church for, like, hmm. white and wealthy people, where all the other slaves were baptized at the First American Baptist Church. Why? I don't know, but they think that maybe there was just something special about her. It was weird, but that was their first, like, That always makes me her. suspicious when these white people are like, I love this baby in particular. It's like, yeah. uh, why? <laughs> exactly. So... There's really not a lot of information about what her life was like when she was a slave, but down the line, John Van Loo, the slave owner, he dies, and he gives, you know, his he leaves his daughter and his widow with $10,000, which would be $200,000 today, and... I'm sorry, how much was it at the time? 10000 10000 is 200000 now? Yeah. I find infl- inflation fascinating, so... Yeah, okay, cool. same. That's why I put it in there. Yeah. So... He left this to his widow and his daughter, and what they did is they bought all of their slaves' relatives to free them and freed their own slaves that they had. That's very cool. And then Elizabeth, who's the daughter, uh, sent Mary to school in Philadelphia. So she went to school. Well, some websites are saying different things, but the the one I saw the most was Philadelphia. 
Okay, so she goes to school in Philadelphia, and then in 1855, she goes to Liberia, which is founded by the freed American slaves. So she joins a missionary there. Five years later, in 1860, she doesn't like it anymore, so she comes back to the States, where she is immediately arrested because Virginia had a law prohibiting black Virginians who had lived in a free state and gotten education and then came back. Okay. What year? Uh, This would have been 1860. I mean, I wouldn't have gone back to Virginia in 1860, but... Right. Why did she? Was it family or, like... She... Well, I think it was, but also... Oh, and I forgot to mention, after she was freed, she chose to work as a paid servant for them. Okay. So I think there was a bond there, and I think she just didn't... I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But she chose to go back. I Um, mean, it is home. I can't judge it too harshly, because it's, like... No matter how problematic your home is, home is home. Home is home. And it's it's what she's always known. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It could be scary to go somewhere else and not have any sense of knowing what to do. You know, she went to school in Philadelphia. Maybe she really just didn't want to go home, you know? Mm-hmm. So she was immediately arrested. And she went... She used many aliases, which is why it's so hard to find information on her, too. So when she was arrested, she used the name Mary Jane Henley. And when she was released, she used the name Mary Jones. She was in jail for 10 days until Elizabeth was able to pay her bail. In April 16th of 1861, she married Wilson Bowser, which is where she gets her last name, Bowser. Okay, sorry, hold on. Elizabeth is the Elizabeth daughter? Elizabeth is the daughter of John the, the Van Lue. The people who Lue. owned her. Yes. Okay. So, Elizabeth and her mother, Eliza, were the ones that freed all Eliza. of their... Eliza! I know, right? Hamilton, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> they were the ones that freed all of the slaves okay. in their family. So... They they obviously do have a connection. But anyways, she marries Wilson Bowser, who is also a freed slave from the Van Loo family. And they're, and they're cer- still in Virginia? They're still time? in Virginia, yeah. So the ceremony took place four days after the Confederate troops opened fire in Fort Sumter, which was the first battle of the Civil War. They were married in a church only for white and wealthy attend- attendants. What is happening? I don't know. <laughs> but like they got their way in there. Um, the couple never has children. That's just kind of a side note. So, at the start of the war, Elizabeth, remember, Elizabeth is the daughter of the slave owner. Okay. She volunteered as a nurse at the capital of the Confederacy, which housed Union prisoners, and would later and it would later be known as Libby Prison. She would hide messages and plans for Union prisoners to escape in her deliveries. I kind of want to know more about Elizabeth. She's bomb. Yeah, she She's sounds badass, totally too. totally bomb. So this she, is how you ally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I love about this story. So... She would hide notes on how to escape and stuff in her deliveries, and then she would house the escaped Union soldiers before they made their way back north. So she would kind of help them emigrate back. She would put on this persona in public as Crazy Bet, which I love, because she didn't want... She was from a very rich and, like, high-society family, so if she was doing this stuff, she had to make everyone else around her think that she wasn't right, capable of it. she was gonna it. act out. Yeah, okay, and she probably also... I wonder if there's an element of, like... If you're going to act out and start doing things that you know that you're like wealthy well, family, she's crazy. and yeah, then it's just like, well, she's crazy. Like yeah. it doesn't come back on your family at all because they're just like, well, you know, bet she's insane. She's crazy. Yeah, it sounds like I don't know how long her mom lived, but it sounds like her mom was very much on her side too, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, so when the North started, specifically General Benjamin Butler started noticing her work, she was hired as a spy and began a spy ring. Elizabeth was. Elizabeth was okay. Her ring would use colorless ink that could only be read when milk was applied to the page. Hey! Right? <laughs> so, 
Mary was Elizabeth's most valuable asset as a spy because Mary was educated. She could read and write. She was very, very smart and allegedly had a photographic memory. Again, okay. there's some argument about Right, again, that. We, we discussed how, like, lore can come into play, and that does sound like something that could it does sound be very, born of lore. But exactly. also, some people have photographic memories. Yeah, so she went by the name Ellen Bond, and I was watching Bond. the James Bond movie this morning as I was writing out my notes, and I was like, weird! <laughs> um, so she went by the name Ellen Bond, and she started working as, like, a helper during parties and stuff. Okay. And then the, the con- it was at the Confederate White House. So the Confederacy president, who is... I did not name? know that the Confederates had a White House. They're, they call it the, the Confederacy White House. I don't know what it is. But Jefferson Davis, who's the president of the Confederacy, noticed her work and um, hired her on basically to be a slave again. Okay. And she went into this willingly knowing that she would basically be a slave again. Right, but the end game was... Was worth it okay. for her. Yeah. So... She would pretend to be unintelligent, much like Elizabeth. She acted like she didn't know what they were talking about. She acted like she couldn't read and write. While really, she's listening in on all the meetings. She's looking over on notes. She would clean his office and read letters. She would go through his drawers and look at plans. I fucking love playing people's ignorance to your advantage. They say she was also like a brilliant actress. Like she would just mold into whatever she had to be. Made her a good spy. That's a good spy move. Exactly. So the Confederacy didn't worry about Mary because they thought she was a dim-witted servant. They say there was a quote that said she was a dim-witted able servant. Hmm. So they're like, she's dumb, but she cleans the house real good. She get the job done. Yeah, exactly. So they... They didn't worry about her, but they knew there was a mole somewhere in the house. But they never... But um, Jefferson... Thomas? Is that his name? Davis? Davis. (laughs) Jefferson (laughs) Thomas. Just backwards. Thomas Jefferson. Okay, so what she would do sometimes is there was another spy. So how she got her information out there. There was another spy who whose name was Thomas McNiven, who was a baker and would deliver baked goods to the Confederate White House. So she would go out to get the baked goods and be like, yo, they about to do this shit. And he'd be like, cool, I'll let Elizabeth know. Or she would go right to Elizabeth. It seems like Mary was one of Elizabeth's most prized spies. Elizabeth writes in her diary, when I open my eyes in the morning, I say to the servant, what what news, Mary? And my caterer never fails. Most generally, our reliable news is gathered from Negroes. Hate that word. I'm so sorry. And yeah, they, at the time, though, I know I hate it wasn't it, offensive. And they certainly show wisdom, discretion and prudence, which is wonderful. Davis knew, so like I said, he knew there was a mole in the house, but didn't expect Mary until the end of the war a little bit. And then he was like, it's you. And she escaped. Uh, There needs to be a movie made about her, like, immediately, if not sooner. (laughs) Right. So she escapes, and some reports say that she tried to burn down the Confederate Capitol. Oh, I fucking hope so. But was unsuccessful. I want a movie made with everything sensationalized. Yes! So I want the photographic memory. I want the burning down the Capitol. Mm-hmm. I want bitch, like, just walking away. Light it up, walk away, like yeah. Angela Bassett and waiting I to want, exhale. I want, like, a wedding in a, like, white person church with, like, all the ladies clutching their pearls and all that kind of I, I want, want it everything. to be very stylized. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Third script I'm working on from this podcast, okay. starting it. Okay. Hope you have a notebook. <laughs> I know, right? So there wasn't much info as to what happened as the dispatches were destroyed. So like all the plans and things like that, they were all destroyed because they didn't want any repercussions mm-hmm. after the war. 
Um, Elizabeth was thanked for her information gathered by Ulysses S. Grant and gave her money for her services, but it was not enough to cover what she'd already spent operating the spy ring of more than a dozen people and left her poor and abandoned by her community because once the community found out that she had been this spy, they turned on her. On her deathbed in 1900, she finally told the story of Mary Bowser. Van Lu described a maid of a maid of more than usual intelligence, and they later found out that it was Bowser. On the other hand, <laughs> Mary, like the second the war is over, she's like, I'm going to tell everybody about this. Like, yeah. I want everyone to know what I did. So she began sharing her stories of being a spy, and she would give lectures under a number of different aliases all over the country. Um, it started in 1965, it says, which seems really quick, but whatever. Um, her lectures often... Wait, 1865? Yeah, that's what I was I saying. thought you said 1965. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, sorry. She lives forever. Uh, she was 100... You're like, it seems really <laughs> quick. I'm like, does it? <laughs> she was 130 years old. She made it happen. Um, so they say that her lectures often contradicted themselves, but they said because she was like a double agent, that's not really surprising about the information she gives. But they said that one thing was always the same, is that she was incredibly... Uh, sarcastic and humorous in her speaking style, which Love I think it. is really fun, right? I, I always think about, like, women like this, who is, uh, she's obviously intelligent. Yeah. She's obviously super brave and funny, because she's witty. I always wonder what people like this could have accomplished. Like, op- not to not to say that she didn't accomplish No, but a if lot. she was given opportunities. Opportunities. Like, yeah. if she was given the opportunities as, like, an average white dude, like... What could she accomplish in the year 2019? Yeah. You know... It would have been amazing. It would have been insane. Like, yeah. this this person would have just lit the world I mean, on fire. She, like, she put herself on the line every single day. Yeah. By working Willingly. in this mm-hmm. house and being a spy. And so did Elizabeth, too. I mean, honestly, I think Elizabeth would have been pardoned more than Mary uh, would course. have been. Of course. Mary, the stakes were higher. She like, would have been killed immediately. Yeah, There's the stakes no... were death for Mary, whereas, yeah. like, the stakes for Elizabeth are, like, you're going to be... Or maybe even... Even just like being ostracized yeah. from your community, um, which n- no small feat. Like not trying yeah. to be like I-, I think what Elizabeth did was equally well, not equally, but it was it was dangerous and dangerous. it was very heroic. Yeah, but absolutely. What Mary did is she was in the front lines all the time. Yeah, you know, and she was living at the head of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. Like that's scary as fuck. And she was just like these bold ass white dudes being like, we're just gonna have black people in here because they're they so dumb. They're so dumb. They're not gonna be able to figure this out. <laughs> like, that's on you, boo. Yeah, like, that's that on is you totally for on you. Underestimating black exactly. people. <laughs> like, so after the war, she became a teacher and she used the name Mary J. Richards. She founded a freedman school in St. Mary's, Georgia. In the early uh, 1867, she taught day students, adult night school, and Sunday school, and she taught mostly freed slaves. Wow. Yeah. Um, There are no records of where Wilson and Mary lived after the war or what they did, and there are no records of her death. There's nothing after the war. She just deuces. Yeah, and she used so many different fucking names. Yeah, it makes her difficult to find. Who is this, you know? So, in 1995, Mary was honored by the U.S. government for her war efforts in spying and was indicted in the U.S. Army Military Intelligence Corps Hall of Fame. At the ceremony, it was said, Ms. Bowser succeeded in a highly dangerous mission to the great benefit of the Union effort. She was one of the highest placed and most productive espionage agents of the Civil War. Her information greatly enhanced the Union's conduct of the war. Jefferson Davis never discovered the leak in his household staff, although he knew the Union somehow kept discovering Confederate plans. 
It's just like the per- perfect like hijink story. You know what well, I mean? Well, I also think it's funny. Like again, you're underestimating the people in your household to such a degree that you know there's a leak, and you're yeah. still like, but it couldn't be the black it's, people. Like yeah. what, sir? Yeah. Exactly. So I'm sorry that was so short. No, that's um, okay. I think this is going to be kind of a short episode. Yeah, mine's, mine's not super long. Either. I just couldn't not tell this story. No, like, I, looked I at love other it. Other people, and I, I was just kind of like, I love it. I love that. No way and that's I can one talk. that I didn't really know. I feel like I've heard the name maybe in passing. Like maybe yeah. there was a drunk history on her or something like that. Um, but I did not know that story. So I'm glad She's that you told it. She's gorgeous too. Let me what? just say, they're saying that some of the pictures that are like known to be her aren't her. But like this that's is why the one. They, this is the one that shows up on her Wikipedia page. And it's a drawing that's, of her. That's why they let her get married in the white church. They're like, <laughs> I mean, You're pretty. But this is her. I'm gonna post this picture too. So this is Jefferson Davis and her when she's working in the family. Let me see. That's awesome. Like it's Isn't super that cool? awesome that they have a picture of yeah. her with Jefferson Davis. Yeah. You know what? I think I had an ancestor that also worked for Jefferson Davis. What? What to, if it's her? It's not. Her name was Mariah. Oh. But I am. Um, I'll, I'll look into that. How and I'll do talk about it later. Know so much about their ancestors. Like Max apparently is related to Ulysses S. Grant. Uh huh. And I'm like, how do you fuckers well, know this stuff? For like, white, I don't for know white people, anything. it's a lot easier. Like, if, oh, because I'm sure. I, I have There's two sides. There's a line that stops. I'm yeah, sure. I have two sides of my family that I've done on like um, ancestry, and my white side, I can trace that back. My family on my mom's side was one of the first families to come to Virginia. Yeah. Um, but on my dad's side, it is a lot harder. You can yeah. only go back to about the 1800s before you start getting into slave records and things mm-hmm. get difficult. But I have another family member who wrote a book about Mariah Davis. I think her name was Mariah Davis. And I'm... Yeah, you Davis. talk about her. Yeah, Mariah Davis. I think she... Um, I think she worked for Jefferson Davis. That would Davis. make sense if her last name is Davis. Yeah, as a seamstress. That's crazy. Yeah, and she ended up making a ton of money. There's actually a place in the South somewhere, I don't know which state, called the um, Avenue of Mariah's because I think she owned like she owned a lot of property down there. Wow. Yes, we'll talk about it on another episode. That's so cool. Because <laughs> I have her. I have the book that my my cousin yeah. wrote about her. So That's so I, cool. I will find that later. Apparently, there's like a book but I think it's more just like records of the Haggerty side and then we have like a pamphlet of my mom's yeah side. you told me that yeah so I, I know find that some so fascinating stuff. it's so fascinating yeah my Irish side though I mean they were like the one of the first like groups Irish families to yeah. come over so it's like we're just really American oh yeah that's how my you white know? side is too like when people are like what are you and I'm like I'm black and white I'm just American like truly yeah. like my black side is Creole and black but we've been my my black family were slaves so we've been here for a very long time before that who knows where in africa and then my white family has been here since literally like the 15 or 1600 so we're just american people are like my my ancestors came here on the mayflower and i'm like that's insane i mean maybe mine were too i don't know mine came over in like the 1500s they were one of the first to settle in like virginia that's wild so yeah, I mean, we're just American. That's I always just say, the only thing that I do like to say a lot is that I'm related to Macklemore because you can't <laughs> Same last name. Yeah, same prove it. Name. Prove I'm not. He's like my third cousin. You don't know we're not related. <laughs> it's spelled the same way. Whatever. It's In fine. fact, you actually could be related. You should right? look into that. You probably are. I've had people contact me on sup, Ancestry. Sup, cousin Macklemore. Hi. Hi, what's up? Give me money. I'm broke. Hi. Okay, so my person is also a person named Mary. And we, which is a very common name in this time period, um, we 
talked about her very, very briefly on our very first episode of this month called Black Women and the Suffragette Movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about her just very briefly, and I think I said during that episode... That you wanted to do her. This would be a good one to do. I remember you saying you wanted to do a certain person, but I don't remember who it was. I said it twice because there were two... There were so many black suffragettes that... Um, we didn't know anything about because of the way that history was written at that time. Yeah. And did amazing things that I was like, we could feature any of these and it would be great. Yeah. So, but this woman kind of like, I don't know, she's stuck in my brain as somebody I kind of wanted to talk about. So her name was Mary Ann Shad, later Mary Ann Shad Carey. And when I talked about her in the uh, Black Suffragist, Suffragist episode, I talked about her being an immigrationist, which was a term I'd not heard before. Yeah. And it was basically trying to get African Americans out of the United States altogether and, like, immigrate somewhere else, which was a very... She was a very, very radical person. It kind of sounds like that's what they did a little bit with South Africa or West Africa, Liberia, because that's where my Mary went. Yes. Um, I think there were some communities where that happened. Mary Ann Shad went to Canada. So she was a resident of Canada. Got it. And we'll get into that, but, like, she really advocated for African Americans to move to Canada and even, um, like, wrote a lot about areas in Canada that they would be most accepted in and how to, like, integrate into society. Girl did her research. Yeah, she's so smart. Uh, I'm so impressed with her. So, yes, she was... If you're not impressed with her yet, you will be. Because <laughs> look impressed. at my life. I am overwhelmed currently with two podcasts starting a new job and just the things I currently have on my plate. Mary Ann Shad was an anti-slavery activist, journalist, publisher, teacher, and lawyer. She did all of these things. And I think she died in her that 60s. That sounds like a lot of That work. sounds like I'm tired. <laughs> um, she did all of this, and I think she died in her 60s, so she wasn't even, like... We should have a shirt that just says, like, you have the same amount of hours in a day as Marianne Shad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what are you doing? Exactly. So, she was also the first black woman to edit and publish a newspaper in North America, and the first woman to publish uh, in Canada. So she was breaking down barriers across All two over the different place. countries. Love it. Tell me more. All right. So Mary Ann Shad was born in Delaware in 1823. She was born on October 9th in Wilmington, Delaware, and she was the eldest of 13 children. It's too much. It's too much. Too many. Too, too many. many kids. Too many Listen, kids. I think they made it work. It was fine. Uh, but she was born into a free African-American family. So it was in Delaware in 1823, but her family were free black people. Okay. And her father worked for an abolitionist newspaper called The Liberator, and it was run by William Lloyd Garrison, who comes up over and over again. Oh. So he ran a newspaper, and he hired uh, Mary Ann's father, father. to work for so the newspaper. So she was, like, bred to be she was kind of an activist. born into it. Yes. So in addition to that, in addition to her father working for this abolitionist newspaper, her house was also a stop where they harbored freed slaves. Love or not it. freed slaves, but runaway slaves. Yeah. They would harbor them in um, their house. So she wow. kind of, 13 kids, and yeah. they still took on this tremendous, very scary risk of yeah. harboring freed slaves in their uh-huh. home. Um, but that's very cool. They were a stop on the Underground, underground Railroad. 
That's a hard word to say. Yes, my God. Whaleload. And as I talked about, so... The last mini episode and this episode are being filmed in, or filmed being recorded in the same night, and my tongue is still like dry. It's like I have like um, cotton mouth. Oh yeah, but I don't smoke weed anymore. So I was like, girl, what were you doing before? I, I don't came? like. I don't know why. It's because you're not feeling well. I think it maybe is, it's a yeah. Nyquil side effect. Maybe. It sounds like it could we'll be. We'll see, because I'm out of NyQuil. Last so. night I got a fucking, like, I get facial swelling when I take something that I'm allergic to. I didn't take anything I normally don't. My lip got so <gasps> oh. swollen on one side. And it happened, like, a week ago, too. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I don't know. Just my left upper lip was like, Wah. I don't know. It was weird. It's Sorry, probably something you've had. Wanted to share my weird. That's okay. <laughs> um. Okay. So, while she was a child, she was not permitted to get an education at any kind of, like, local school right. anywhere in Delaware because she was black. And so, they, her parents sent her away to a Quaker boarding school because the Quakers were, like, woke as hell. Yeah. And they gave her... Whatever happened to them Quakers? ...an education. I think they still exist. Let's become Quakers. I, I Just for fun. I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> seems like they were bomb at the time. <laughs> kidding. They might not. Let's I don't know. Let's wear those really conservative dresses all the time. Do Quakers do that? I'm sorry. Know. We're probably, if, if any Quakers are listening, <laughs> we apologize fully for this entire I part. I don't laughing. I'm just thinking of oatmeal and like we have no the image clue. of Quakers I have in my head. Exactly. And then them listening to a podcast is rich. That's funny. Sorry. If you're a Quaker, please write in neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. For real. So she went to a Quaker school in Pennsylvania and then later went on when she realized how difficult it was for her to get an education as a African-American woman at this time. She went on to open a school for African-Americans. So it's kind of a parallel. Very much like Mary Bowser. Yes. So after the passage of the Fugitive Slave Law, which we talked about again in our Black Suffragette episode... Mm -hmm. She went to Canada with one of her brothers, and then she was like, I I like it here, I'm going to stay here, and so not long after that, the entire Shad family moved to Canada, and in 1852, uh, she wrote a report called Notes of Canada West, which is like this pamphlet encouraging other African Americans to make the trek to Canada. Okay. Yeah, she considered the move to be a political move, and she believed that she would have greater freedom to continue to fight for the abolitionist abolitionist cause from the North. Mm-hmm. And so even though it can kind of sound like she, ran like, away. noped out of there, yeah, she ran away. But she didn't stop when she got there. It wasn't like, I'm here, I'm freed, I don't have to worry no, about anybody else. No, she did tons of work advertising Canada as a safe haven for former slaves and freed blacks, and she would constantly make the trek back and forth at great personal risk yeah. from Canada to the United States, making these trips herself on horseback, like, back and forth wow. to, like, spread the news about Canada. Yeah. And so she did become what we call, uh, what we called in that episode that we just did, an immigrationist, where yeah. not only was she an abolitionist, but she was far even more radical than that, where she was just like, yes, we need to fix the United States, but also the United States has fucked you guys over, so you guys yeah, should also just, still here? just leave, like, they don't deserve you, essentially. Yeah. So it's true. We don't deserve them. Yeah, these it, people. I mean, man, we don't. Uh, we don't deserve either of these Marys. No, no, we don't. <laughs> but we got them both because while well, you'll see, even though Canada can claim her, and I, I think we can totally share her. I think America can also claim her because she 
spent so much time fighting for... She was fighting for America. She was fighting for Americans. Yeah, she was living in Canada. She loved Canada um, and was loyal to Canada, but she was fighting for Americans and not just black Americans, but also the reason why we mentioned her in that episode is because she was also a suffragette. She fought for the rights of women and for the rights of black people. So it was in Canada that she started a newspaper called the Provincial Freeman, which is one that we talked about. And it was a weekly publication for African Americans, but especially for escaped slaves. She wrote most of the articles herself. And when we talked about this, I think she wrote with one of her sisters and it ended up getting shut down after a few years, mostly not because she was African-American, but because she was a female editor and people yeah. did not like that. So she would return to the United States again on horseback back and forth in order in order for her to gather information. She would have like boots on the ground confirmation about what was happening in the United States, like yeah. a journalist. Yeah. She had a really progressive approach and... It alienated a lot of people, including other abolitionists, because... she was so intense. She was so intense, and she was so outspoken, and she was so radical, where a lot of other abolitionists, like white people, would be like, yeah, I believe that black people have the right to live freely, but also I believe in segregation. Well, that's the thing that we talked about during that episode as well with the black suffragettes, is that they the white people who were suffragettes had to kind of choose whether they were going to continue to fight the abolitionist movement or get the the voting rights for women and kind of play to the white audience. Right. And she wasn't willing to give at all. So even if yeah. you were an abolitionist who was like, I believe in fighting for freedom for black people, I believe I they should believe be free. That we, they should be separate. I believe that once they're free, we should have segregated schools and communities. Yeah. And she, she was, was like, like, I have none of that. She was like, not today. Like, yeah. if we're free, then we're free. And she also denounced refugees. So there was a lot of, like, refugee associations for, like, I guess for lack of a better term, quote-unquote refugee associations. And they gathered funds to support fugitive slaves, which is amazing, like, on the surface, amazing, but she would criticize them because while they would do this amazing work to gather funds for for runaway slaves, yeah. they didn't do anything for the African-Americans who were living in poverty already. Okay. And so she was like, we need to take a look at some of these more, um, these causes that are maybe less glamorous to you. Yeah. Like, that there's a lot of, like, African-Americans who are already living in poverty. In fact, most of them are, free or not. Yeah. So, um, a critic from a rival paper was unhappy with her views, and he said, quote, Miss Shad has said and written many things which we think will add nothing to her credit as a lady. Which I think oh, was supposed darn. to be, I know, was supposed to be, like, so scathing. Like, yeah. oh my god, he doesn't think you're a lady. Oh my god, but that's she's the like, worst thing. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm busy. I don't care. Do you know how many things I do in a day, Yeah, like, sir? like they said already, I'm busy. I'm, I've got a <laughs> lot of busy. shit going on, okay? Um, how many jobs do you have? Probably not that many. So... In 1848, she wrote a letter to Frederick Douglass, and she was critiquing the male-dominated abolitionist movement, and she said, we should do more and talk less, which again, 
fucking Hamilton. It just made me think of Hamilton. Talk less. Yeah. Smile more. Smile more. So she's like, we should do more and talk less. We have been holding conventions for years. We have been assembling together and whining over our difficulties and afflictions. Passing resolutions on resolutions to any extent. But it doesn't really seem to have made but little progress considering our resolves. Yeah. So Stop bitching. Get shit done. Get shit done. She's like, again... If I can find my time in a day to horseback ride across the border... In one day. And publish a paper, and manage a school, and do all this other shit I'm doing, you can figure it out, dudes. Like, because these dudes, they they had a very, like, old-school view... Yeah. On um how to how to do things. Yeah. And Mary Ann was like, no. Nope. You got it. This is 18-something. She was almost this like. This is not the 1700s anymore, fellas. Yeah. And, and not the same way, but like she was almost like Malcolm X-esque in that she was like, we have to change our, our way of doing things. Like yeah. the way that you're doing things aren't working. So we yeah. need to be more radical. Like there's no other way. Mm-hmm. You guys just need to stop fucking talk about it, talking about it and thinking that like having intelligent discourse. And I think it's interesting that she sent this to Frederick Douglass and obviously he heard it and then pushed it out into the world. So he respected her enough to do that. But I think it's interesting that she talked to him about it because it's almost like saying you expect people to respect you because you're a well-spoken black man. Yeah. And you expect that that's going to be enough to get shit done. And she's like, we actually need to do shit to get shit done. Yeah, that's great that he received it so well. Yeah, and he received it very well. So in addition to creating the newspaper, uh, she also established a school that was open to children of all races. So she had originally had a school that was primarily for the children of either freed slaves or, you know, other African-American children for them to get an education. But she created a... Uh, an integrated, integrated school. Thank you. Yeah, yes. She created an integrated school. Um, while she was living in Canada, she met Thomas F. Carey. The couple married in 1856, but he died just four years after oh, their no. marriage while she was pregnant with her second <gasps> child. Yeah. Oh, no. So, super sad. So then, not long after that, the Civil War broke out, and she returned to the United States. So she could have stayed... To become best friends with Mary Bowser? I can... That could be a buddy comedy? (laughs) Okay, we're copywriting that right now. number four. Yes, get out the notebook, get out the script notebook. Um, So yes, she, she could have stayed safe in Canada... But she chose. But she chose yeah. to come back to the United States, and she started recruiting in 1863 for the Union Ar- Army in Indiana. So she was encouraging African Americans to take up the fight against the Confederacy mm-hmm. and against slavery, mm-hmm. which was huge. I mean, and obviously that that became a mixed bag at the end because a lot of African Americans fought uh, for the Union during the Civil War and then afterwards were kind of left in the dust having put their lives at risk. Yeah. Um, it's like, thanks for your service, but... Yeah, bye. Bye. You do, um, you do what we needed you to do. Yes, but she saw that, like, they needed more manpower and in the end, the goal was worth fighting for. So she um, helped recruit for the Union Army. That's great. And after the war, she... <laughs> this woman, like, she never stops... She went to Howard University in 1883 and earned a law degree. Of course, because that's what you do. Of course. Like, you know, if you have any extra brain power, you go and earn a law degree. Right. She was only the second African-American woman in the United States to earn a law degree. Wow. Yes. She then 
thrust herself into the suffrage movement. She addressed the House Judiciary Committee in January of 1874 as part of a group of women petitioning for the right to vote. And she said at that committee... I am not vain enough to suppose for a moment that words of mine could add one iota of weight to the arguments from these learned and earnest women, but then detailed how, as a colored woman and yet a resident of this district and taxpayer, she was allotted only a portion of the rights of her male counterparts. So she's like, listen, which she's selling herself so short, but I, again, I love... She's like, I'm not so big to tell you, but let me tell you. I also love that women do this. Like, this is a very woman thing to do. And we saw it with um, Mary Bowser as well, where you're kind of like, I'm going to downplay my own intelligence so you feel smarter, even though I'm a fucking editor, publisher, teacher, lawyer. Because it it probably at the time would very much seem, and even today, when there's a powerful woman, it seems intimidating. It doesn't seem as like welcoming and people may not listen to you because you're like holier than thou. Well, and she clearly knew that like as a black woman they were going to view the white women as smarter than her no matter what. But she played that to her advantage. She didn't sit, whereas my instinct would be like, to be like, fuck you, I'm smarter than everybody in this room. Her instinct was to be like, she's smart enough to understand that, like, I need to play to their egos and be like, I don't come in here pretending to be the smartest person in this room. But what I do know is that I pay taxes like anybody else and I have less rights than all these other white dudes who pay the same amount of taxes as me. Can I tell you a really quick anecdote that just made me think of that? Okay, so the other day while I'm working, T asks me, who has more power, men or women? And I said, men. And sometimes, like, I forget how young he is, and I just kind of, like, go off, and I'm like, particularly white men. Yeah, you told me this. And, oh, did I tell you? Did I tell yeah, you but do on the again, show? Do it again. Okay, so, and I said, who do you think should have the most power? And he goes, black women. <laughs> you didn't tell it on the show. You texted me, and I stopped the thing I was watching and was like, this just happened. Like, because it's <laughs> so funny. He goes, black women. And then I, and then I, he said something about white women, or he was just like, I just think white women just don't care. Oh, you my something God, like that. he's so cute. And he was just like, I think black women should have the most power. Like, and I'm like, yes! He's oh. like, after some consideration and much thought, I think black <laughs> and my women six, almost seven-year-old brain should be in charge. Yeah, <laughs> they should be in charge. I feel like they get shit done, you know? They do get just shit done. Just wanted to get, get that anecdote I really mean, quick. It's. I think that's hilarious and wonderful. <laughs> um, but it is. It is true. And I mean, like, of course, generalizations are not always right. Of yeah. course, we don't need to like not all men this situation. But, but she's also. But I. What made me think of it is that she is playing to that power dynamic, right? Of like, I realize that you're more powerful than me, and she's diminishing herself, and she probably doesn't even see herself for being as great as she is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And well, again, that's and a very even if she trait. does, she's smart enough to be like, which sucks that she has to do that, right? You know what it, I mean? It sucks, but it's, it's not also right. I love I love that women have evolved in this way. That like, it sucks that we've had to evolve in this way, but I also love that we have. That we, we can outplay them are able to out yeah like women in general I think think several steps ahead because we've always had to mm-hmm. you know and I think that that is ve- very interesting I think yeah. that um, it's very cool and I think historically speaking black women do get shit done like 
not of, of course that's a very general statement but when you look at a lot of these elections it's black women yeah. coming out and winning these elections for yeah. you because like black women get shit done like yeah. they realize what needs to be done yeah. and they well, because they they've take experienced action and suppression and they're not willing to sit idly by and watch where i feel like a lot of the white population feel like they're going to be taken care of elsewhere right and they and, don't they don't realize the importance and black men while they do face a very particular specific set of challenges that are specific to them as black men, um, they're still men. So while being a black man might make them face some challenges that are specific to, to that demographic. Black women have their own demographic. Right, they do. And, you know, again, as we've said many times, they're facing the disadvantages of being a woman and being black. Yep. So it has made them evolve. I think all women have evolved, white women included, in this way of being able to kind of for lack of a better term, because this sounds this sounds negative, but manipulate I was to just get there. Say manipulate the system. To get to get what they want done. Yeah. Um, and I think black women have done that to an even greater extent. I agree. Or minorities in general I agree. have done it to an even greater extent. You yeah. take you take our weaknesses, like Mary Bowser, right? Where like, you're dumb because you're a black woman and she's just like, I'm gonna let you think that and then mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking school the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you're not even gonna know it. You're not even gonna know it. Yeah. Which love I love. It. So Mary Ann Shad Carey died in 1893 in Washington D.C. and that's all I have on her. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy week. I wish I could have gone uh, more in depth. I did look at a couple it different is really websites. Really hard though. Um, like I, I was reading on like history.com, biography.com, of Me course, too, Wikipedia, yeah. things like that. And it's hard to find information on these people when records are destroyed or they're they're never given records in the first place. Um, right. And then again, who's writing the history, I think, is a big thing of it. Like, it really is. Mary Ann Shedd Carey, like, something that was great about her was that she was a writer herself. So there is stuff that exists. Yeah. Uh, that you can go and find record of. Exactly. But outside of that, it's like, you think a bunch of white dudes who got schooled by Marianne Cat, uh, Marianne Sh- uh, Shad Carey. Shad Carey. Gotcha. Wow. Are gonna um, like you, write about how great she was? Yeah, no, like, because no. they got schooled. Right, they feel dumb, so yeah. they might manipulate whatever article they write about her to say yeah. something else. Agreed. So it does get difficult when you go this far back in history. But that's why it's so. Even if they're short stories, that's why it's so important to talk about them and for us to have that conversation of like what we think could have happened and like what we choose to believe and things like that because their stories deserve to be told, even if there's not a lot of information on. Right. Them. Totally. God, two good Marys. Two good Marys. Can we call our episode Two Good Marys? Sure. Black Forgotten Feminists, Two, two good, good Marys. Marys. I like it. Yes. yes. We'll do that. Um, right. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this Black History Me Month too. so far. Me too. Next week is going to be our last episode for Black History Month, and then we're going to go into Women's History Month. Uh, if you have anything that you want us to discuss for Women's History Month, if you have any sister solidarity stories, if you have any feedback, if there are things that we d- didn't discuss about these two Marys that you want us to know or learn more about, feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram. Our Instagram is angry neighborhood at angry neighborhood feminist. We also have a Twitter. You can follow us at Yamp Podcast, Y A N F Podcast. Go ahead and check us out on Facebook. We have a business page and a group page. Uh, get chatting with the people in there. We have a lot of really great stuff that's shared on the Facebook group, and I need to start checking Facebook more because I, I know. hate Facebook. Um, I watched a really cute video today that Ramon posted. Oh a, yeah, a Pixar short that was so cool. Totally go watch it. 
um, and get that community growing even stronger. Um, we're needing some more reviews, you guys. For Reviews Day Tuesday this week, we were like, what do we do? So you can review us on Facebook. You can also review us on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate it from a business standpoint. It helps us so much. And it brightens our day. Which it does. Who doesn't want the most important thing? Who doesn't want to be brighten our day? Yeah. You know, it's great. And all the trolls on Instagram don't want to brighten our day. They don't. That's want, it. <laughs> you guys need to counteract the trolls, please. That's for my, your job. For my mental well-being. Right. Exactly. Because it's a little much. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for participating. With all that being said, we encourage you. Great, John. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.